Okay, I have a long list of questions here, but then I just want to check from the audience. Is there anyone with a question you want to ask the panel uh, that's really that you really want to get off get on your get off your chest? Uh, have something from Hank in the back. Hank's question, just for uh, the people who couldn't hear, was that um, Omi mentioned that we need a crisis to make change, and Hank wanted to find out from the panel. Do you, do you guys think there's already a crisis on our roads, um, and why or why not? Matagal ko lang nakikita yung crisis eh, kaya nga ako na <laughs> nag-start mag-bike commute. Ah, sorry. Yeah, uh, I think we, uh, we are we are already in a crisis, no? Long before. Uh, um, and I think the problem is uh, we don't have that critical mass yet. Uh, so even if we are in a crisis, we don't have enough people yet. No? In fact, in the number of cyclists, very, very marginal still, no? Compared to the entire population. Well, uh, I would say... Uh, well, that's difficult. It's very difficult to put a, a good number. But right now, I would say we're not even 10%. No? Uh, although there are no data, yeah, we're not even 10% of, uh, of road users. Uh, so, yeah. Um. Yes, we are already in a crisis. But we're in a frog in a slowly boiling water type of crisis situation. We're in, uh, the situation is getting worse. Like, we, uh, the traffic is getting worse. But it's not, it doesn't leap exponentially because credit to, to policymakers, they're trying to solve the problems incrementally. It's not fast enough to solve the problem or to keep pace with the problem, but because it appears that we're trying to solve the problem. We're trying to solve it through increasing road capacity for vehicles. So it, there, it's a full-blown crisis when nobody's acting on anything. And that's when citizens will try to look for solutions themselves. But because we're still banking on the government to provide solutions like create infrastructure, etc., etc., then we're not yet in that crisis that I'm talking about. It's, it will be a tipping point wherein people already feel like no one's, no one's doing anything. We're in a snafu already. So we will, we will work on it ourselves. Then people start, okay, then uh, EDSA is no, no longer moving at 5 a.m. that early. Then let's start talking about biking or walking from uh, for one hour is better than being stuck in traffic in EDSA at 5 a.m. That's the price that I'm talking about. But I'm not saying that we should go there, but I'm saying that if that happens, I'm pretty sure we'll start really considering seriously biking as a serious way of transportation for the majority of people in the metro. I agree. That's why um, when I defined, it's 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 not clear in my imagination what exactly is that like. For example, would it mean like if ten cyclists die every month, would that mean a, a, a crisis? Yes, but is five enough? It's hard for me to imagine what what exactly that crisis is in my head that would say that's the tipping point for us to start having a serious conversation about life. Because seriously, right now we don't have that conversation. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, my name is Carmela. Uh, we advocate for cycling and making streets for people. And we work together in that advocacy. Now, I don't quite agree with you about your take on crisis. I think the crisis here in the Philippines is about crisis in apathy and uh, indifference, if I would say. Because if you look around, we're not talking here of a critical mass in terms of quantity, okay? Because that might be very difficult to quantify, if I would say. But I think the issue here is about 
the crisis that has become normal for Filipinos. Don't you think so? Because I cannot imagine looking on the television or watching the news and then you see this humongous traffic every single day. Is, isn't that a crisis? I mean, those graphic images would tell you that we are in a crisis. And if you, if you would like to put a figure on that, the Philippines, I, I mean, Metro Manila has got a population, I think, of 17 million, and that 80% of the 17 million are all motorists. They drive cars. Did you get me? So that 80% alone are experiencing crisis, although they are taking the matters into their hands because they're driving cars, but, you know, driving to work two hours back or to work and home is something, is something that you have to consider. So the question right now is where do we begin? How, how, where do we take this conversation now to the streets and engage with, as you said, with the local government to start change? Um, that's a short one. Uh, yes, I agree totally. We are in a crisis. But um, when I introduce the concept of we need a crisis to have the next step, I'm thinking like the those in power who are making key decisions. Like I know that in the Senate, we have been discussing about uh, the issue of calling a state of emergency because to solve our traffic situation. But my point is, in the radar of, of mainstream policy making, the, the question of, of lost productivity in, because of traffic is still not yet on the top of the agenda of those who are empowered to actually make those key decisions. That's why I agree we're in a crisis. I agree we need to do something different. And I'm not asking for more crisis. I'm just saying that in, if we're going to accept the idea that we want to make key people notice us, then that is one route that would actually spur them to notice us. And I'm hoping that we don't, we do not go to that stage because we are already in a crisis now. And I totally, uh, I, I totally get what you're saying. I'm just saying that because I, I see how those in politics think that's really how they how they feel, unfortunately. But we still need to continue engaging them, of course. Back in the university, our history professor uh, used to say to us that we Filipinos have a very short memory. Uh, we we really forget about everything. Uh, so, like in our case, uh, as pointed by Omi, uh, as long as the government gets to TV and say, "No worry, we have basket of solutions." then people will just be complacent. They, they won't even consider doing something different in their lives. Uh, they would still go back to spending two hours one way every day, wasted to traffic. So uh, infrastructure is, is important, policy is important, but, but I think uh, it, it's, it's not the easiest and shortest way, but building that culture of bicycling, in, in particular in this case, is, is also, uh, I think, part and parcel of, of what we should do. Uh, we, should, we should continue to talk to people about what, what's the benefit. I mean, at the very minute, low-level details and, and conversation. Uh, because, I mean, looking at the very like strategic top level, it would be really difficult for us to, to make a change. I think, uh, well, I think maybe you can uh, take, take some more questions from the audience. It seems like there's quite a number. Uh, let's go with uh, Will in the back. 
this might be a difficult question, so it's okay if you don't ask. Uh, how would you square yourselves with motorbike advocates? For example, okay, you have the bike lanes. Is it just for a bike? How about motorcycles? What about kick scooters? What about electric bicycles? What What about kick scooters with a chair? Will you, uh, like, how, like, example, also the motorcycle lanes that also apply for electric kick scooters. And then, and then also for parking. So, okay, like, are the motorcycle parking also for bike parking? Some, some, uh, some places allow it, some treat them as the same, or should they be treated differently? I mean, they're kind of similar because in one, in one hand, on the other, they're also not similar. Uh, I, when, uh, when they're talking about crisis early, in, relate, in relation to what he says, uh, I think one of the reasons that prevents people from uh, considering biking as an alternative mode of transport is because motorbikes. I know people, I personally know people who were into biking and then switched to motorbikes and e-bikes. I guess that's one of the release valves of people considering uh, biking as an alternative mode of transport. For uh, audience members, um, when you uh, ask questions, please introduce yourself on the mic so that we see it on the live stream. Uh, but yeah, anyway, um, let's uh, throw that to our panel. You know, I see Omi was looking at me a little funny earlier because uh, I, as a former bike commuter at this point, have switched over to getting around on an electric scooter. This is a common question uh, for people involved in bike advocacy. When uh, does something, when does a mode of transport become far enough from, uh, from a bike that you're that you're not considered part of the family anymore, or are they all part of the family? Uh, maybe you guys can comment on that. <laughs> I've been avoiding this question, actually. <laughs> well, uh, I don't have a grand theory on, on this particular question, okay? Because uh, I, I do support electric uh, or motorized uh, transport, uh, or the more personal mobility options like scooters and bikes but to be specific like I, I would personally I would personally support electric bikes which are pedal assist so but but with regard to like the electric scooters where just where you stand up or motorbikes uh, there are obviously a number of layers that you need to flesh out uh, uh, first question for example is should they mix on the road? Uh, speed should always be the main uh, consideration. Uh, whatever you, you use to move yourself, uh, higher speed would always result to greater or worse crashes. So I think we need to consider that. I think as a community, as a society, of a group of people, I think uh, in our history, we've, we've always been criticized how we jump or we leapfrog and cut short on corners, uh, the way a, tip, well, a group of people would, would eventually evolve in, in, over time. So I guess, uh, this, and this is just my personal opinion, we are kind of, again, going back to that mistake probably, if we, if we will encourage the whole of society to, to just uh, prioritize convenience out of some other greater societal goals like, like healthier people, uh, in the UK, their national health agency is really spending so much uh, trying to cover illnesses which could be otherwise could have been avoided if people would choose active traveling. So, I mean, uh, and this is just my personal take on the issue. 
uh, I would support depending on our ages and abilities. You, you'll probably encounter in, in literature or in media how, how uh, governments outside, obviously, uh, would, would design their roads to cater all ages and abilities. And I think that is an important learning for us to take here while we are trying to kickstart and develop our own uh, bike lane networks, etc. I think we need to encourage more people to, act, to move actively first rather than out of convenience. So sorry if I would not support some. Uh, I'm sure someone better than me who have studied the matter has created a good hierarchy of, of modes of mobility. But for me, there should be a preference towards low-speed personal mobility devices. So I said low-speed because I really find it very troubling when I have to traverse uh, roads alongside motorcycles. Because these are people who they shout at me, uh, don't, 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 don't ride alongside us. So I don't, I, as much as possible, I don't ride along the motorcycle lane which by itself is a very problematic thing because why is this a motorcycle lane at the middle of uh, the main top of there and EDSA is not a highway you go in and out of EDSA why is it in the top of EDSA so that's a whole conversation by itself but um, the, there, the hierarchy should have you know low speed personal mobility uh, on top slightly below mass transportation if you ask me if you have a uh, a healthy, livable city. Again, someone better than me, like Rob, would uh, might provide a better uh, framework. So that's my, my take. I think my bigger problem, my personal problem is, some, uh, is more of, am I an advocate or am I just trying to move as efficient as I can? Why am I introducing that problem? Um, because sometimes I'm not sure if, uh, as a biker, do I also have the right, same right as a pedestrian? As a biker, do I also have the same uh, rights as a motorcycle user? Because what, there are more bike parking spaces for motorcycle users than for people on bicycles. At the same time, there are areas where it's safer for me to go through pedestrian areas than through the roads where I'm supposed to be in. Like it's safer to be in uh, in the in the sidewalk than the designated bicycle lane, uh, which is just a strip of paint. So that is always a, a crisis in me because am I, should I do the right thing which is to stay in my lane as a bicycle rider, so as an advocate, or I want to stay safe and I want to be efficient in moving from point A to B, so I need to go through the gray areas, meaning I need to uh, go against the traffic, ride uh, on the wrong side of the road because that's the safer that's a safer way for me to go uh, so that I don't need to make a U-turn or carry my bike up a, an overpass. I think that is the uh, bigger personal problem for me. Sometimes it's so hard to find, to figure out where do I belong as a, as a bicycle rider. For me, uh, sustainability is really very important. Um, a really big problem is um, the congestion. No? Congestion caused by motorized uh, vehicles, pollution uh, emitting vehicles, um, which would include motorbikes. Uh, I'm more open to e-bikes um, because they provide an option 
for people who don't have the physical capacity to 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 use regular bikes now but um uh yeah i, I think Oh yeah, when we look at this uh, entire issue, we always need to consider not just uh, prioritize low-speed vehicles, but also uh, which ones will be sustainable uh, and uh, which ones will provide access to uh, to to to, uh, to the people. Um, e-bikes, okay, yung e-bikes, but then there are also uh, other issues with e-bikes, no? and it's not completely also no, no, green. Um, meron ding issues dyan. Um, and then the, uh, a big issue also is whether or not if you promote e-bikes for example, would that are we converting uh, uh, car users uh, to e-bikes or are we only converting those who are already using mass transport and by, uh, regular bicycle users? No? Kasi if we're only converting those people uh, to 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 e-bikes, then we're still not addressing the problem. The problem is congestion caused by uh, caused by um, motorized uh, vehicles. So if e-bikes, for example, will convert you know, uh, these car users to 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 e-bikes, then uh, I think uh, uh, I will. Uh, 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 we can support. No, we can support the advocacy for for uh, e-bikes. Any other questions from the audience? Uh, please introduce yourself before asking. I am Rally De Leon. Actually, going here, I came with a car. <laughs> I, I used a car, parked at Cabo de Comas. I'm not familiar. I work from home. So, I have impact as far as traffic and environment. Ah, uh, overweight just by doing that. But I walk. Uh, most of the time when I travel cities, I look at the sidewalk, and then I one thing that interests me, like one in Taipei, there's a signboard that says pedestrians uh, are uh, the priorities, and then under that there's a pers uh, there's an icon of a person and a, a, an icon of a biker. So how in the Philippines are we defining pedestrians, at least for purpose of law, for purpose of planning, when, uh, like, you are M and L, Manila, right? Uh, I'm very happy pag nakita mo na. You're thinking about common people and all. Uh, the sub-7,000, sub-5,000 bike queues to travel to from work by the regular Bike, it will hit them a lot, but we can lose 25k bike and like buy another bike after a few days. So there's a big difference. So me, from that perspective, are we? I'm a pedestrian and sidewalk advocate. That means the width, not just the sidewalk, the existence of sidewalk, but how big is the sidewalk? Now if we are working together. The pedestrians in general, like in social media, bombard. We demand for like a six meter. Like go to Beijing, go to Taipei, go to uh, Seoul. Sidewalks like that, and there's the bikeway. Pedestrians among the cyclists divided by a thin line, painted line. 
share among themselves with a common barrier. Actually, it's cheaper. So the problem is, um, I was, I once read a uh, posted by Benji Delapena about this uh, theme park mentality of most young urban planners that who's going to pay for it. Like, here goes, uh, look at uh, Ortigas Avenue. They expanded the road about this big. Medyo mahal yun. And then, take up nearly like ito lang tinira. And I have a picture like uh, taken a few, less than an hour ago. Ganyan lang kalaki yung natira for, for the pedestrian. Eh, obviously, wala na ang bikers, wala na ang pedestrian. Inasasan ng gantong kalaki, now compute that by the linear, uh, multiply by the, the, the volume that like 12 inches of uh, road, ilang millions ang could have been saved kung if tile, recyclable tile yung nakalagay doon and then it's a 6 meter shared by both pedestrians and the cyclists. Or maybe the pedestrians, walking people, cyclists including, including those uh, with, with bags going to school. Now, I'm thinking, like, why are we not talking about the space in the first place? That's the first principle of, like, public uh, mobility. We're talking about, on the top of the pyramid, is it the cycle? Uh, that word na naantay kong sabihin is those walking, people walking. That's supposed to be on top. Or maybe those who has don't have that ability to walk like pipilay-pilay or medyo eh, may mobility problem. Dapat sila actually, dapat yun nasa taas. We consider them and then we consider for all. Now, so, talking about the cost, uh, lagi ako napapaisip and for the longest time, talking about space right here, right? like common for all of us. Why is it like uh, nearly, particularly Taipei, why is it that, like Recto, medyo puzzled ako sa Recto, why is it when when you walk Recto, hindi ka ng building. When did that happen? Ano lo, ang sawi sa kanya na gano'n. Now, kaya ko nabanggit ang Recto and, and paano siya related sa cycling, like, if you walk on that, you're under the building, most of people, that, that's uh, protection under for the environment, ah, dun sa, under, sa, sa elements. And then there's a space, another space outside of that building, reserved for the cyclists. So when the cyclists are gone, like posted a few days ago, na bakit walang, but walang laman most of the time, cyclist area, is because pupunta lang yan, going to work. And yung babalik yan, going back. Ang nawawala is the people like me who only bike like 2 kilometers from home. Because I don't work, I work from home. So the reason for me to go out is to buy uh, a pandesal, a pagupit. Umili ng tornillo because I'm a hardware person. Uh, those things na I wish kung ma, malalag, ma, ma, those uh, promoting the cheap bike uh, neighborhood mobility, then we can put more numbers of people using that space na pagkamahal-mahal. Now, we are not creating out of nothing, but we're creating out of something na previously uh, was a pedestrian space taken over by car and then 
tapos slowly uh, kinukuha ng mga cyclist and then wala na for the Yeah. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, that's fine. I think uh, the question at the end of the day, uh, Raleigh's question was, well, if I got it correctly, like, why is it so hard? Like, if if allocation of road space is so basic and uh, getting enough road space for walking and cycling, you know, I guess to maybe most of the people here, to you guys, it might be so obvious that this is how you solve the problem, get more space for walking and cycling. But why is it so hard for to get that through to leaders? And why is it so hard for maybe the people who advocate for walking and cycling uh, to organize and get this through? I mean, why is it, and why is that such a difficult question to grasp at the policy-making level when for so many people you explain it to, it's almost mathematical, it's so obvious. Like, what's the, what's the disconnect there? Uh, I think it's obvious because those who are making decisions are not walking, they're riding cars. I think that's the, for me, uh, I don't know if that's the right answer, but for me, that's the that's my answer. That we are overlooking the basic math of space because the current the current math that we're using favors the car those in vehicles in cars, and uh, the current situation favors them. And uh, those that are making decisions are in cars, uh, even if their cars are stuck in traffic. Uh, so the questions of of problematizing the allocation of space threatens the the status quo of the number of uh, of lanes for for cars and if that conversation threatens the the space for cars then those who are making decisions would rather not have that conversation this is not an original idea but uh I've read somewhere and I've listened to someone speak on this that uh, what will explain our problem is uh, it, will be, it can easily be pinned down on our values. Uh, our values set what we have you know, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a society or as a community. When, when Raleigh talks about why is it uh, pedestrians and bicyclists would only be allotted a very uh, narrow space compared to motor vehicle users, that's because we value motor vehicles more than anyone, more than anyone else, or more than more than any other uh, mobility choice. And when you set up your values, that, that's that will that will dictate how you set up measures for you to achieve things. Like when you think about projects, programs, go to MDA website, download their GAA, their allocation budget document, and you will see exactly. Their traffic management metrics would always count how fast motor vehicles are moving along EDSA. And that will explain why there's congestion. Because traffic, again, not my idea, I've read somewhere that traffic is like water. It will flow wherever it can. So uh, as, long as, uh, as long as you build all those flyovers, uh, roads, bridges over traffic itself, it, we, will, we will just fill it with motor vehicles. So values we dictate the way we measure things, and that's exactly what we have right now. So unless we change our values, then we will change all the other. Shortly, I'll just insert Jasmine values, short lang. Because I'm not triggering the values. The dream of people is not to own a bike, it's to own a car. I guess that says a lot. 
Yeah, actually yun yung yung sasabihin ko no kasi very car centric yung culture natin mindset. In fact, parang status symbol nga yung kotse no. Pag tinanong mo yung mga uh, kabataan kung ano yung pangarap eh, bahay, kotse, ganoon din, ganoon yung pagtingin no. So kaya napakahirap eh bukod sa the fact na yung decision makers natin, largely car users yung mga yan. Eh, yung ating entire culture, yung mindset natin, really values really values yung kotse. Uh, very short. I'm reading his book uh, on uh, the Dutch cycling culture. And they said, in relation to what uh, Omi mentioned about the crisis, it happened to them. Because I don't know their history. And this is the first time I'm reading their history. They, what happened to them was in the late 70s, they had this oil embargo uh, uh, shaped by the oil-producing countries in the Middle East. That's why they literally run out of gas to run their motor vehicles because Royal Dutch Oil, that, that Shell company, is really one, one of the hardest hit organizations because of that uh, oil embargo. So all of a sudden, their president or their prime minister had to come out and say, we'll start with declaring car-free zones every Sunday. And then all of a sudden, that trickled to everyday people riding a bicycle for, for every use, for, for everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think the gentleman from Holland would like to say something about that. Yes, I'm from, uh, I'm from Holland. My name is Hank. Uh, so I can uh, talk a bit more about that story because it's true. Uh, we were also in a crisis, so that made a big change. Of course, we were already uh, uh, bicycling uh, because it goes back to 100 years already. But the government realized that we need to do something about it because we don't want to be dependent on all these big oil companies uh, taking away our money and bringing it to the, all these other uh, countries. So they make huge changes in the infrastructure. So now we, in the Netherlands we have like 30, more than 35,000 kilometers of safe bicycle infrastructure. And it's exactly as what you said before, uh, traffic is like water. So it goes everywhere you, where you create uh, infrastructure. The same goes for bicycle uh, traffic. So if you create safe bicycle uh, infrastructure all of the, over, over Manila, the bicycles will follow. So my point is that you don't need to create so much social uh, experiments about getting people to think about bicycling. No, just build uh, hundreds of kilometers of bicycle infrastructure in Manila, and the traffic on bicycle will follow. Everybody will buy a bike, because what's more fun, as you told me before, than going on a bicycle and being on your, on your job within half an hour, and this car guy is sitting here for two hours. So that's, I think that's the essence, the, the, the government to build hundreds of kilometers of bicycle infrastructure and, and the bikes will follow. There are plenty of advocates like you around here having lots of fun on bicycles. So imagine having a beautiful bicycle lane only dedicated for bikes. And I think there's plenty of space around also because you have the MRT and the LRT can create beautiful elevated bicycle lanes like you do in China and Denmark and other countries. And there are plans for that in London as well, so they also want to change London with elevated price lanes. So there are enormous opportunities for that. The only thing is, how are you going to uh, change the prices in the head of the decision makers? Because they are only taking about cars. 
you're going uh, uh, to kill two birds with one stone because more, more people on bicycles need less cars in Israel. Tens of thousands of people on bicycles going to their work every day needs tens of thousands of cars less in Israel. So it's an easy sell, I think.